Get ready for the education podcast that brings you the most unique, no-nonsense takes on school leadership, teaching, coaching, and all things K-12 education. This is Informal Observations with Skyrocket Educator Training. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Informal Observations with Skyrocket Educator Training. I am Michael Sonbert, the founder of Skyrocket, here as always with our Chief Schools Officer, Dr. Antonio Vance. Antonio, how are you? Oh, man, amazing. Looking forward to, the, to today's convo. Yeah, me too, man. We're going to, for, for folks uh, listening at home, we are going to dive into one of our favorite conversations tonight. Mm-hmm. Antonio, I know this is one of your favorite conversations. I mean, you talk about this all the time, not just with leaders, but with me, with your with your barber, with uh, with Uber drivers. You talk about Everybody. setting goals, attaining goals, getting goals in schools, and so we're going to do a deep dive into into that. But before we get there, folks, we're going to start the way we always start with three questions for the good doctor. First one, always random usually something a little bit fun. Antonio, this Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, Kansas yeah. City Chiefs mm. against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Are you going to be watching the game? I'm going to ask oh, you yeah. a multi-part question. Are you yeah. going to be watching? Is there a favorite food that you're going to be eating during? And who do you have winning the game? <laughs> well, it's uh, who do I have winning the game? Yeah, who's going to oh, win? It's going to be interesting. So um, when our listeners listen, they will... I'll get a chance to critique um, our predictions here. Um, yeah, definitely right, will be right. watching um, one of my favorite cities uh, in the world, not necessarily teams, um, but I'm going to go with uh, Kansas City. Um, wouldn't want to bet against Mahomes, um, but um, yeah, I, I will definitely be watching. Not sure what I'll be eating. I'm trying to not, uh, not, not to overindulge here. We're still in a pandemic and still trying to keep a, keep a, a decent figure. Um, uh, you know, that, I mean, Kansas city, great team. I think they're, they're, it's a nice matchup. Um, but man, speaking of Kansas city, I don't mean to like jump off here. It's one of my favorite cities in the world. Have you yeah, ever had their barbecue? It is the best, absolute best barbecue in the world, in the world. Yeah. It's so funny, man. I've been to Kansas city. Oh, yeah. I love this. I love the, I love the town as well. I've had this thing when I was there. Uh, I forget what it's called. Oh, uh, 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 burnt ends. Are you familiar with burnt ends? <laughs> what did you call it? <laughs> oh, burnt ends. Man, are you kidding me? Sorry, <laughs> you can't say it like a white guy. Come on. What? Well, burnt I'm a white guy. What, what, how, how am I supposed to say it? Burnt ends. It's one burnt word. Take like off the T. <laughs> fast like that. Yeah, take off the T. Smash them together. All right. So not burnt ends, but burnt ends. There you go. There you go. Gates has the best burnings in all of Kansas City, man. Oh man, wonderful city. I don't. I forget the name of the place that I, the. I mean, I went to a bunch of barbecue places there, but there was yeah. one in particular. It had. This is going to sound ridiculous, but it had a statue of a bull out front, which I imagine doesn't narrow it down <laughs> even a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's a super. It's a it's a super cool town. They have that uh, light and power district. Have you ever been? Have you ever like partied in Kansas City? Like absolutely, uh, I have. Yeah, it's just really. If you've never been there, there's a couple cities. Baltimore has something like this, where it's basically like 
uh, you, you go to there, the, you, you know, there's like a, a, a rope and uh, like a, an entrance and there's a bouncer or two or five standing <laughs> there and you hand your ID and then you walk through the, 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 you know, the gate or the, you know, the ropes or whatever. And there are like 10 bars and restaurants yeah. in this like little like promenade, not little, it's big. Yeah, it's huge, yeah. uh, and that's where everyone's hanging out and they're just bouncing from place to place and partying and drinking. And uh, it's a really, it's a really cool scene. Absolutely. Absolutely. Brilliant. Well, well listen, uh, I love Kansas city as well, but I'm picking the Tampa Bay bucks. Oh, wow. And uh, I, I like to say that Tom, Tom Brady, he sweats excellence. <laughs> and uh, I do love the chiefs team and somebody who lived in Philly for a while. I do. I am partial to Andy Reid, the chiefs coach, but I am, I am picking the bucks. I don't, I don't necessarily know that they'll win, but I am rooting for them to win. I think Mahomes is going to have uh, a decade and a half of domination. I want Brady to get his last one and go out, go out <laughs> as a winner. Though I think he's probably going to play another five years. So we'll see. Hey man, what's uh, question number two? What's yeah. I, I, I think I'm going to be making the, uh, tomorrow. I love Cajun food, and tomorrow I'm taking an online. My wife and I are taking an online gumbo making cooking class uh and so if the gumbo is not disgusting we will be eating gumbo on sunday if it if it is maybe uh maybe hot wings um what um that sounds like good super bowl food good luck yeah nice and warm and spicy for for cold and snowy uh snowy new york um van something what's something you've learned recently something that's uh that that it's inspired you recently, something that might resonate with, uh, with, uh, with our uh, listeners. Yeah. You know, um, I was prepared this time for, for this question. Uh, I, you know, I'm a science. Well, it's only episode six. So <laughs> I know it's six, six episodes. <laughs> we're going to do the same question. Okay. Notice the trend. You know, I am a science, uh, lover at heart. And I was watching this, um, the show with, uh, Neil, uh, De, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson and, I'm so amazed. Um, so one of the topics was about, you know, how we we spend all this time searching for um, life on other planets. And this episode was about life that does weird things on on Earth. And there were two things that really stood out. And I made this like connection um, without the help of um, with with spirits. Um, the first was <laughs> um, so there, there's this tree um, that when certain um, you know, bugs or insects start nibbling at this tree's leaves, it's able to take the saliva from those insects and manufacture an, a chemical that makes those insects sick and secrete, and secretes a pheromone that uh, brings along the predators for that specific insect. No way. And so, yeah, it's like amazing. And so one of the questions was like, isn't that chemistry? Like, isn't this like the, the, this other way of thinking about, uh, about chemistry? And then the, the second example was, you know, one of my, I, I love bees. I think most people love bees, but like there was this, this fascination with like, Wait, hold on, ants. hold on. You think, yeah, yeah, yeah. you think most, you think most people love bees? Yeah. Like they keep, I mean, everybody <laughs> saw a bee movie. Like you can't not love bees. <laughs> Like you I don't think bees. most people love bees. I think most people see bees and they run and squat no, and say, get out of here and you're ruining my picnic. Well, look, if you don't you're love ruining bees, my burn ends. Smart. I'm trying to eat my burn ends. 
they want your burdens too. But if you don't love bees, you need to start because they hold the entire food pyramid together. So yeah, you don't want to get stung by them, but start loving them. But um, I thought most people love bees. You just broke my heart. Um, no, I think nobody loves bees. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll... I'll, I'll be, I, Oh, I'm going to start a campaign. Anyway, these bees like <laughs> do this amazing dance uh, that, you know, they have all these recordings of bees doing their, this dance and they weren't really sure about, you know, why they were doing this dance. And in fact, they were, they're able to communicate tremendous amounts of information through these dance about like where food is located, where a new hive is, um, is super amazing. Um, the, the thing, the connection that really stood out to me was that there are so many different ways to express learning um, and, and the way that people communicate and learn and, and education, especially. We get very, very confined. Like a classroom has to look like this. A student has to respond like this. A test mm. has to look like this. But instead, that there are just multiple ways um, to look at learning, to look at communication. And if, you know, if we remain closed-minded, we would miss this entire language um, that, bees use to communicate information and how trees are able to do chemistry um, and right in front of our eyes and we never even knew it, we never even looked. Um, and I just think that as, as educators, we always have to just pull back our own veil and, and look through, um, through, through different lenses and not just get stuck in what the status quo is. That's so, I mean, I'm so glad you shared that. I mean, all joking about the bees aside, but, but you know, I have a, you know, one of my sons has autism and yeah. uh, every night when he's going to bed, I tell him how he's, he's, he's brilliant. I know you're not supposed to praise your kids for being smart. You're supposed to say that they're hard workers and uh, because, uh, you know, smart is like something you were born with and hard work is you know, something you can, can grow and build yeah. upon. I do tell him he's a hard worker, but every night I tell him how brilliant he is and how amazing he is. And I do tell him he's the hardest worker I know. And it's really, it's, it's really, it's cool to hear because by, by like, you know, traditional measures, you'd say like, no, he's, he's not brilliant, right? He can't, he's five, he's five, almost five and a half. He can't talk, right? He, he, um, you know, he, he doesn't, you know, you ask him what color something is. He doesn't respond. He doesn't, you know, and, and, you know, we're, we're finding though, um, that there are these moments where, you know, and the other day it happened with my wife, he was in his, you know, his vir virtual class and um, she stepped into the other room and he started, she, he normally needs her to do so much prompting uh, with him. And, and, you know, Teddy, where the teacher asked like, point to the, you know, point to the, 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 the you know, point to the basketball or, right. you know, point to the point to the swan or whatever it might be. And, and he's, you know, kind of like, you know, wiggling around in his chair and sometimes smacking his, tray and leaning back and not paying attention and she's you know gina's yeah. on uh you know on full on full-time duty with him and uh, she stepped into the other room to grab something and she noticed that he was doing it all by himself um yeah. she stepped out and uh he just did it all by himself and um it's amazing like we didn't like it's it's right there right it's just like you're saying it's right there in front of us yep. we didn't know it right we didn't know that he knows it all um and he just like I don't know. Maybe there was no there was no support there, and so he said, "I got to do this myself." Maybe he's like, <laughs> "Hey, they play a song for him if he likes if he does well. They play a song for him, and so maybe he's like, I got to get to that song really fast.' So, um, but anyway, man, it's a really it's a really great it's a really great uh, it's a really great observation. Awesome. I'll do I'll do two two quick ones. One is yeah. that um, 
Uh, there's a guy named Jim Quick. He's like a mindset expert. I was just listening to something with him a couple weeks ago. Pretty interesting guy. He's like, he, he, he teaches people how to be smart, which sounds crazy, but he teaches people how to be smart. He had three traumatic brain injuries by the time he was 12, and he, was, he had trouble learning, obviously. And uh, his teacher referred to him as the, the boy with the broken brain in front of his entire class. Mm. Mm-hmm. And he said he wore that, like he wore that moniker for, for years. Now he's the foremost expert or one of the foremost experts around like like being smart and learning and memory. And he coaches everybody. I mean, he's talk, telling a story about how he's co- he coaches Will, Will Smith, the actor, right? Among, among, you know, among dozens and dozens of others, Fortune 500 companies. And, and he says he works, you know, he works with Google Apple, etc. Um, but he said something that was, and so I, I listened to him do a talk and it was brilliant. Mm-hmm. And this is not the most brilliant thing there, but it's something that I do want to share, which was, he said, a lot of you are really good at buying the book on Amazon. Uh, yeah. He goes, far fewer of you are good at actually reading the book. <laughs> and far, way fewer of you are good at actually doing the thing that the book says to do. I thought it was really interesting because we find that in our work, right? Like that folks say, oh, well, we got the new curriculum. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you just you just bought the book on Amazon. You have to actually right. you have to actually like do the work. You have to dive into it. Um, and then you have to actually do it. And we even for us, I mean, people, you know, they, they use they quote unquote use our frameworks, but uh, just downloading it and kind of you know, pinning it up to your wall is not, is not using it, man. It's a, it's a tool, right? And you, you, it's the book you bought, but you don't open, right? Or yeah. the book you bought, you, you open, you read, but you don't actually execute on. And I do think it's a really important distinction around like um, just being familiar with something and being, and, and fully immersing yourself in something and, 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 and doing a deep dive into something right. and saying like, we're going to do this thing at a really high level. So that was the, that was the first one. And the second one was just, I mean, briefly, the filmmaker, you know who M. Night Shyamalan is? He did like Sixth Sense. And, of course, yeah. yeah. He was talking. I saw him. Uh, it was just on like Facebook or something. And he said, yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> um, he, was doing, he was doing something on, uh, on Facebook or something like that. And he said, uh, after all the rejection, after all the failure, he's like, you know you're meant to do something if after all of the rejection and all the failure, all the embarrassment, and I'm paraphrasing, right? But he said it better than me. But he said, like, he's like, you know, you're meant to do something if you still want to do it, if you have an irrational passion. And that's the term. I actually have it written on my on my wall, not on the wall itself, but on a, a piece of paper on the wall. But like, if you have an irrational passion yeah. to do something, right? And I thought it was such a, like, that's like passion, right? Passion, commitment. Absolutely. Those things are... They're not as they're 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 more rare these days, right? And I think it's such a cool idea that um, that you would, that I would, that we would, that people would uh, fail dozens and dozens of times and and be embarrassed and humiliated and say, "I'm still doing this. I have an irrational yep. passion for this." Okay. Sounds like my first year of teaching. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like my first year of teaching too, right? Um, all right, man, tell us a uh, third question. Always the same one. What we know that educators like to decompress at the end of a long week, maybe at the end of a long day. Uh, some like to listen to music, some hit a yoga class, some have a cocktail. What Antonio, if anything, are you drinking? 
man, same old, same old, just a little different twist on it. I, um, I ran out of uh, cucumbers and I ran out of uh, pineapple juice. I didn't get a chance to, um, you know, do anything fancy. So I'm, you know, following up with uh, my brother Snoop. And uh, we're going to do a little bit of uh, just, I got my Hendrix gin. I'm, I don't think Snoop was drinking Hendrix. I was going to say, do you think Snoop was drinking? No, I no, know no, Snoop. no. Well, first of all, Hendrix is newer, right? Yeah, it was definitely Seagram's, I'm sure. <laughs> that's right, that's right. I'm sure it was Seagram's, but I'm sticking with my Hendrix. And uh, just a little orange juice on it, man. Laid back. gin and juice. <laughs> yeah, laid back. <laughs> laid back. Uh, I am refusing oh, to give up on the red wine. Uh, I have, I have, though I have graduated. I've taken, I've taken your advice. I'm no longer drinking the six dollar ninety nine cent wine. Okay. I think this one is uh, probably more like fifteen or eighteen dollars, which is still. Okay. okay. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not the 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 high the high uh, the oh. high level stuff or the uh oh the high end stuff but it tastes a lot better than the 699 the yeah, thing that i am doing my glass yeah well so that's the thing that i'm doing is i don't have a glass i'm drinking out of the bottle oh and so God. even though like you can take <laughs> the 699 wine out of the boy but can't take the boy out of the oh six i don't know what the expression but i am drinking fancier wine but I'm drinking it out of the bottle because I still that have to. the whole purpose. <laughs> that defeats the whole purpose, Michael. You missed the whole purpose of the wine. <laughs> I am learning. I am learning from you, man. This is a this is a a a, a synergistic relationship. <laughs> you need the bouquet of the wine, dude, so you can oh. actually enjoy it. Okay, okay. I will. I will put it in a glass next time, maybe. Oh, um, the glass <laughs> will probably have a. What'd you say? I'll send you some wine glasses. Okay. Please. Talk to Tina about this. <laughs> yeah, I know. She's, uh, yeah. Don't, don't tell her I'm drinking wine out of the bottle. Uh, all right, friends, we are going to, um, we're going to dive into a conversation about goals. And I'm, Antonio's going to, you, you know, I'm going to ask you to run lead on, on much of this conversation, man, because you do so much of this work with schools and school leaders and um, you know, you, you, you're an expert at tracking this data, creating systems to track it, uh, supporting folks in tracking uh, school data towards school-wide goals. We talk about now and later goals in, in schools. Some folks refer to them as, as lead and lag. And so start off, uh, just tell us why schools and school leaders and teachers, for that matter, tell us why folks should have goals. Why do why do these matter? Got it. You know, Michael, this is one of my favorite topics. I I live goals. I talk about them all day. Um, it was even part of my dissertation. Um, you know, this is really important. And I mean, just to start off, I think you know, goals help us determine um, our priorities. Um, they help us. They they direct us to get organized. Uh, they help us to make the big decisions that we have to do. Um, you know, at Skyrocket, we we have our space theme, right? Yeah. And I mean, it it tells us our destination. Um, it tells us, you know, it's it's the sail, it's the rudder. You know, it's like where are we going? Um, and then you know how we how do we get there instead of just aimlessly, um, just sort of out there. And I think that I became you know more obsessed with goals. Uh, during the time that I worked um, with uh, a cohort of schools 
in Sweden, there's an organization there called Kunskapskolen. And, uh, you know, and th that means the knowledge school in, in Swedish. And they spend 90% of their time, they only talk about goals. They rarely, rarely talk about grades, rarely talk about anything except what is your goal? Where are you going? What is it that you have to do? Because they understand that without a solid, concrete, well-defined goal, that everything else just sort of floats in the water. It, it doesn't have a purpose and it's not cohesive. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there, I mean, we, you know, I could talk for this, this episode ended up being two hours. Um, <laughs> don't uh, <laughs> rein me in. So, well, I, mean, I think yeah, that's you know, why they matter. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a great, it's a great, uh, great point. Great way to start us off. I mean, one of the things we'll say to people when we're, training around goals. And this is going to definitely resonate with the folks listening here is that like every January 1st, people all over the world say, I'm going to do X or Y this year. Yeah. And, and most of them, most of them fail. I mean, all the data, all the research says that, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but something like 80 or 90% of, of New Year's resolutions, as they're called, are, are over by February 1st. And part of it is because folks are not specific about what they're actually trying to accomplish. Absolutely. They are saying things that sound like, I want to get healthier this year, <laughs> or even more specific, I want to lose weight. I'm going to lose weight without actually defining what that number is. What does healthier actually look like? Uh, what is that, you know, what is that, what is that number, right? What is the, um, uh, what are the metrics that we're using? And so this idea that, um, uh, you know, in verses, right, uh, instead of I want to lose weight this year, um, I'm going to lose 10 pounds by um, by March, by March 3rd, um, yeah. March, March 5th. Yep. Um, and that is a, uh, you know, by, by, by April 20th, um, that is a much different conversation than uh, a conversation around, I just want to get generally healthier. And so what often happens in schools is folks, if you talk to people at schools, there's nobody in any corner or, or crevice of any building who wouldn't say, we're, we're doing our best for kids. We want kids to be successful. Right. We want to have a great year. We, 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 want to, uh, we want to make sure kids are prepared for the next grade, prepared right. for high school, prepared, prepared for career or college, all these, all these things. But until we've quantified, well, what does that actually look like? Okay, is it 70% uh, of kids able to do X, 80% you know, of kids able to do Y? Uh, it feels a lot like the conversation around um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like lose weight this year versus, Hey, I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose five pounds by, by April 15th. I can't believe that people still even do resolutions, right? Like I have friends and people that I work with, like you need to set goals and they need to be concrete. And however you do that, you have to, to, to name it, um, in order to, to track it in my, in, in my gym on the wall, it says, um, what gets, you know, measured gets improved. And if you don't have an actual goal that you know that you're aiming for, how can you improve it? Getting, getting healthier, losing weight, what, what does that even mean um, without actually defining the goal 
and really labeling it and really making it um, uh, concrete um, as I've talked to leaders about. Well, I, I mean, we're right on here and we're starting to get into this, this idea of, you know, what, what mistakes are folks making when it comes to this? And, and so actually, yeah. let me go one step before that. I mean, Antonio, is your coaching that every school should have multiple goals across multiple domains, right? So academics, and let's yep. even break that up further, right? We're looking at eighth grade math, eighth grade yep. reading. We're looking at, you know, uh, I remember we look seventh grade math, seventh grade reading, right? Like we're looking at all those different things. And then, and then are we talking about goals beyond that as well? What are we, what are we saying here that, that folks should be measuring? Michael, I ask people, what's important to you? What do you have to get done? What is important? And leaders will list out, oh, well, it's important for us to make sure that um, we, you know, our students are approaching mastery and that they're um, mastering uh, standards and that our school culture feels like X and that folks are happy. Um, and sort of some of those like ephemeral happy things that we want. And I'm like, great. What is your goal? Yeah. And yeah, it crosses domains and there are multiple goals. And they, they have to be tracked. I just told you what gets measured gets improved. If you have a goal, it's something that you want to be able to reach. And it's a place that you want to go with your school, your organization, in your life. You have to be able to say, this is the goal. And then it has to be something that you can measure, and that you can look at, and that you can see to say, hey, I met it. I did it. I got there. As opposed to we want our students to be happy. Okay, great. We talked about this in, in past uh, past episodes, right? You wanted to, we talked about the school that wanted to measure joy. We want our school to be more joyful. Great. What's your goal? Right. The so metric? goal, right. So yeah. 85% of students on a survey report that our school is a, a, a joyful, welcoming, and that joyful, welcoming, uh, student-centered environment. And that would be yes. the type of thing that would be, and, and granted, we, we all admit that surveys are less accurate than sure. other measures, but we, we are going to, like, we do want to know if students and staff are satisfied. We want to know if people are happy in their jobs. And so we can set goals around staff satisfaction and student satisfaction. Absolutely. We can set goals around staff retention. We can set goals around attendance and tardiness. We can set goals around, uh, you know, we hope your schools don't have a lot of suspensions, but we could send goal if you had you know, X amount last year, how many are you going to yeah. have this year? Right. Yeah. Um, and let's make it, let's make it way less. Right. What are, uh, what are, what are our, of course, we talked about academic goals. What are our goals around teacher coaching? How many teachers are we going to coach Absolutely. this year? How many, what, what, you know, in whatever framework or rubric you use to uh, evaluate those folks, how many are going to move from X place to Y place from Y place to Z place? And, and putting quantifiable metrics in place around everything you all are trying to do in your schools. Because otherwise, what we often see playing out is that folks, school, school leaders, teachers, staff, incredibly smart, incredibly passionate, incredibly driven folks get to June 15th and say, we kept the <laughs> wheels on. We kept the wheels on, but like, we don't really know how we did, right? And you get your your state tests back and we're gonna talk about assessments in a, in a moment um, and whether they're the right thing at, uh, or not. But 
as you always say, stay test, keep the lights on. Yeah. Uh, and so like, Hey, those, that's, those are the metrics, but like yeah. we get our state test back in, in June or July or August. And we find out, Oh, our kids, I mean, I'm, I'm oversimplifying here, but our kids read worse than they did last year. Right. Our kids yeah. are less proficient in math than they were last year or they're more, but it comes as a total surprise. We're not, we're not measuring these things. We're not, we're not taking action on a daily basis to hit these goals because the, the goals, they don't exist or they do exist, but they're in a, they're in a drawer somewhere or they're in a school leader's head and, uh, and, and, and nobody else has, has internalized them. Yep. And so what, what are some of the, what are some of the mistakes people make around, around either goal setting or goal tracking? And uh, let's, let's say that people have goals because from my experience, most schools do. Yep, absolutely. Um, but what are the mistakes that people make in, in that conversation? Um, you know, let me think. There, there are two things that immediately jump to mind. And the first is that the, the one of the, and actually I'll, I'll, I'll probably label it as one of the biggest mistakes that I see people do is that when people or, and leaders feel like their plan isn't working, they change their goal. Huh. Instead of when things aren't going well, you don't change your goal, you change, you change your plan. That's right. And folks are all, a lot of times like, oh, well, we're not, you know, we, we're, we keep looking at our, um, our results, our interim results, and we're only at, you know, 60%, and our goal was 90. So we're going to change our goal to 80%. Right. No, you change your plan. You don't change your goal um, because uh, things aren't going there. So, I mean, that that's a, a, a dime that I always tell leaders, especially when they get really frustrated. And it sort of is tied to the second uh, biggest pitfall is that leaders and, and folks, we, we and I think and not just school leaders, I think everybody, everybody wants to see the green, right? Yeah. Whether money or green on your dashboard. That's like, right, that's right. Go, we, we wanna see green. And one of the biggest uh, pitfalls is folks get very upset or they get sort of turned off by tracking when they're not meeting their goals. And I, I, I have to remind folks that your goal, like you wanna reach it, you wanna get to 100%, but you are much further ahead of everybody else in the world if you just know where you are. Right, right. And if you have a red, if you say like, hey, I am not meeting um, the culture metrics that I'm not getting the joy level that I want. I'm not getting the academic success that I want. Like, we, like of course, like you want to do better. And you're going to have to change up some of the stuff that you're doing. But just the simple fact that you know that you're not meeting your goal is the inspiration you need to continue on. So if I say I want to lose 20 pounds, and I am, I've gained five, that's not for me to throw everything out. It means I need to change up something. I need to do something different. I need to reevaluate my plan. And I'm not going to always see green. And I talk to leaders all the time. Oh my God, I see red all over the dashboard. We're, we're here. Oh my God. Like, yes, great. Wonderful. You know exactly where you are. There's no yeah. surprise when you get to whatever time bound sort of, you know, date that you set to reach this goal. You won't, you won't be surprised. Like, oh my God, I didn't meet my goal. Why? I got to the wedding and I didn't lose the weight that I wanted. Well, yeah, you tracked it. You know why you didn't lose it. Right. 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 So those are two, two things that I see often in the field is that 
folks want to change their goal instead of their plan. And they, they always want to see green. Yeah, it's, it reminds me a little bit of like the, hey, my car is making a crazy noise, uh, but <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm yep. not going to ignore it, right? Like that noise is not going away, right? That yep. thing is there. It's probably better to know that it's your muffler or your transmission uh, and then make a move or not, or not make a move right away or make multiple different moves. Absolutely. I mean, you find out that it's X thing in your car and there's probably four or five different things you could do, assuming it's not totally, totally <laughs> shot. Um, but it's probably better. It's better to know, right? I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's really better to, to know you can, you can take action from that point. Absolutely. You, you Absolutely. talk, well, you talk, we talk about uh, goals being espoused versus lived. Mm. You actually taught you taught me this, and I think it's such a just such a brilliant idea, right? Is something espoused, and this can go for for any number of things in schools, right? A school school's vision or school values. Uh, but what's the? Can you explain to folks what is this distinction between espoused versus versus lived? Oh, absolutely. Um, so you know, I like to think. Uh, you know, let's. I mean, we can use tons of different you know organizations, and you can. Um, you, we, we see this all the time. So like your, your espoused, you know, goals and, and things that you're, you're doing in your organization are the things that you, that you say publicly. Um, they are the things that are the outward sort of um, pronunciations and pronouncements, I'm sorry, that you make to say that, you know, we are um, the best organization at doing X. Uh, we are the fastest at doing Y. They're the things that we espouse um, and that live throughout our entire organization. And that is placed up against what actually happens. Mm. What happens when you open up the hood? What, what happens when you actually look under um, and, and see how the organization is lived? What are the people who work in that organization actually experience? And it's funny, we brought this up um, in our last uh, conversation when we talked about schools that say, we are a student-centered organization, right? But when you get up under the hood, when you start to look at what actually happens, right, they espouse to be quote-unquote student-centered, but what is lived, what's happening in the day-to-day -day actions. And I mean, when you start to think about and link that to goals, right, your goals are to push you to so that your espoused and your lived versions are actually the same. They should be what you espouse should be what's actually happening in your organization. And usually there's a dissonance between the two and you see a completely different world uh, when you start to actually examine organizations in depth. Right. And so I think that's an important, it, it, it reminds me of the, the kind of the conversation I, I, I had earlier around the, the people who are good at buying the book, right? Not as good at, at reading it, right? There's a skill in writing really oh, yeah effective and, and uh, or measurable goals rather, right? But just having a bunch of goals on an Excel sheet that only you have access to, or having a bunch of goals uh, on pasted to the wall in your, in your office that you just ignore as you walk by them, that's not what we're talking about here. The, that, right. that stuff's espoused. You share it at the beginning of the year with teachers, uh, you, you know, you do the design, obviously you share it with teachers, you share it with staff, yeah. um, but you, your actions throughout the course of the year. And, and by the way, we're not suggesting that folks actions are, uh, are, are, are negative or that they are 
not uh, going to lead to some sort of results. What we are suggesting is that one of the pitfalls is that, you know, school leaders say we, we're going to achieve X, Y, and Z this year. And then they are not even looking at that stuff for, right. for, for months, right? Yeah. Even if they're giving their English teachers a whole bunch of feedback, they are not going back to those goals and saying, how are we doing as it pertains to the thing we said we were going to do? Yep. And, and so my question is for you, because uh, we're, we're defining espoused versus lived, right? Espoused is like, hey, we say this stuff. It doesn't go beyond that. Lived is like all right. of our decisions are grounded in our goals. All of our decisions are grounded in collecting data around those goals. We are having constant conversations with each other and with the staff mm -hmm. around how we're doing toward goals. We're tracking this stuff publicly. Kids are aware of it. Families are aware of it. Everybody. Right. Um, what's the, what is the, and so that's the lived version. How do we, how do we get there? We, you and I talk about with folks now and later goals. And so how do we get, if we say that yeah. at the end of the year, we want 65% of our scholars. And by the way, let me pause there. Should folks be setting goals like 65% or should every goal be 100%? We, we know that you, you don't get an education to educate 65% of kids. Right. You, right. Don't, you don't get an education because you only care about 65% of kids. But should folks be setting astronomical goals that they have no chance of hitting, but that are, are really the, you know, in terms of the optics the, that, you know, the, those are the uh, those are the things that uh, that are going to look best to to the to the board or the soup or the yeah. or yeah. the archdiocese or the families or should folks be setting um, rigorous but attainable goals, even if it's 38 percent of our kids are going to be proficient in math. Right. I mean, if you don't, you live in this espoused world, right? When you, I mean, part of the SMART goal acronym is achievable. Um, and it's not, it's never to say that your students don't have the ability to reach 100%, that all of your students can't be um, uh, proficient. That, that, that does not um, define that. What it does say is, and, and, and part of, of, of in goal setting is the context and that it is a journey, right? Mm -hmm. You don't, um, I mean, we all went on a journey to learn um, how to read and then read to learn. Like we, we all went on a journey and some folks, um, you know, in our, in our, the way that our education system um, unfortunately um, has been created, there are areas where, and there are folks that don't, um, have that advantage and they, they, they become they are they, they have disadvantages because of inequalities that um, are perpetrated in this country and across the world. And so goals don't define that and the students aren't defined by that but the a in, in, in your goal setting thought is that achievable part? What is it that you can achieve and that you want to achieve in your journey? It doesn't say what are folks capable of. Mm. It is, what are what is it that you want to achieve? Where is it that you want? Again, remember, it's the GPS. Where is it that you want to go? And of course, and, and where can you go, right? I, if I put, right. if I want to go to the moon, yeah. um, I can put that in my GPS. I probably won't get great coordinates, but where can I go? And along the way, you're going to constantly make that journey. And it's funny, I mean, you, you started this conversation around now and later goals. Um, and you can have a later goal 
Um, and, and like a much larger umbrella goal over a certain time, you can say that in the next five years, I want to be at X place. That, that, that's a later goal. That's something, you know, that I want to get to down the road and later. Um, but absolutely, um, you, can, you, you need to set a goal that is rigorous, but it needs to be, as you said, attainable. It needs to be achievable within the time frame that you put. Your T in SMART is time bound. Yeah. You have to set a goal that makes sense and that is time bound to get 100% of, of your scholars that may have some mislearning. Um, fixed and, and ready to where you're, you're, you want them to be in a year, um, they, they, that, that might not, that, that kind of like pushes against how we know how students learn and attain. And we, 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 we want them to, and we're going to work our butts off to make it happen, right. but we have to be um, time-bound and set goals that make sense. So I, I really love that idea of like can versus want. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you plan to kind of go there, but it was a really cool, uh, for me, distinction, right? Because we want every single one of our scholars to be, you know, to have the, have, have amazing success. Uh, we're not changing that. That's not, that's not going away. Never, never. Right. Never. Right. What we're saying is that if we're currently at 22%, of our scholars reading on grade level, that to say that 10 months from now, we're going to be at 100, even if we want that, yeah, uh, is going to mean that we're going to fail, right? I mean, we're going to fail. And then we are living in this place where our goals don't mean anything, yeah, right? We, they don't mean anything. It's like saying, four months from now, I want to have $80 billion. Like, really cool, dude. Like it ain't happening. Right. And so like you might want that. And so like, what is something that can happen now? I don't mean can like it's easy. We actually mean can like it's unbelievably hard. But can 22% of scholars reading on grade level, can can we get that to 33%? Can we get it to a third of our student body uh, in one year? Right. Which by the way, and, and all you listening know that, getting 11% more kids or an additional 11% is a lot, right? That's a lot in one academic year. But that's a really, that's that idea of can versus want. And so what happens is, and we used to work with a guy uh, who who had this great line about goals. He says, uh, you know, what's the lowest number you'll celebrate? Because a school will set a goal for, you know, 85% of students doing X and they get to 84 and they're like throwing a party. And he's like, you didn't hit your goal. Uh, yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, but we got to we got to 84. And he's like, yeah, got it. But what if you got to 83? And they're like, well, like, still really good progress. And he's like, all right, 82. And they're like, uh, well, you know, good progress. I mean, not not as close. Obviously, he's like 81, yeah. 80, 79, 78. What's the lowest number that you'll celebrate? Because if you're celebrating numbers that aren't your goal, right? Your goals don't mean anything, right? Like, think about it. If you say, I wanna, I wanna lose 10 pounds and you lose eight, and you're like, woo, I'm the man. Like, 
I mean, that's great. It's eight pounds better if that's what you're looking for. By the way, neither one of us is dietitians. I don't know why we're talking about weight so much, but it seems like it's an easy thing to measure, even though it's not easy to lose, right? But like, uh, you know, I mean, what's the low, what's the lowest? The pilot said, you know, um, we're going to set, you know, our destination for New York, and they're off by a few degrees, and you end up in D.C. It's like, ah. We're only off by like three degrees, but yeah, woo, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, but you know, in the end, those those things make a make a difference, absolutely. What are um talk about you know now and later goals? I mean, what and some folks, as we said, refer to them as lead and lag. We call them now and later yeah. because a we love the candy now and later from back in the day, and b uh, more importantly, they're just we just think it's stickier and easier to remember. But you know, it's not enough to just say that at the end of the year we want. You know, ninety-seven percent of students yeah. coming to coming to school every single day, right? Like, there's that's a later goal. Talk to us about how now goals and and later goals work together. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I, I talk to leaders about this often. We, you're absolutely right. The schools have most schools have uh, their their now goal. I mean, I'm sorry, their later goals, and they get to the end of the year and they're like, oh, we missed it. Right. What, what happened? Where, where, where did we drop the ball? Uh, how, how did this happen? And, you know, I'm even guilty of it as a school leader. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've gotten to the end of the year and gotten results back from a benchmark or looked at surveys from, um, from my staff or from families and completely floored. Like, how did I miss this? How did I not know that we were where we were? And the purpose of now goals are those interim um, metrics that tell you that you are on the path or that you're off the path to getting to your ultimate goal. And so they're, they're the small incremental um, goals that really predict and tell you that you are on track or off track to meet that goal. And, and I really think that this is a, a the, you know, I probably should have added this to my, um, to my miss bucket earlier. Um, th this is often a miss because I, I mean, just the other day I was speaking to a leader and they were telling me we were going over their, their goals. And, uh, you know, one of their goals was around uh, students uh, proficiency rates. And I said, great, this sounds good. How are you, wh where are you at right now? How are we doing? Right, right. <laughs> and, and they had no and, uh, idea. They looked at me sort of like, well, I'll know in 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 May. Yeah. And I'm and I'm, you know, I kind of take a step back and and you know, I say, are you comfortable with that? Is are you comfortable finding out in May if you met your goal or not? Or yeah. doesn't it make sense to have checkpoints, pointers, you know, the flagpoles, the the dipsticks, the benchmarks that tell you. Right, those mile markers that say, "Hey, you are getting closer to your destination. You're getting closer to your goal," and that is the purpose of now goals. And when you can, the wonderful thing about now goals is that they that you know I spoke earlier about things changing. Now goals, once you actually meet those now goals, you can change them and update them because you're making that progress. You're passing those mile markers to your ultimate goal. So if your goal was, you know, eighty-five percent of students achieve X and you get to, and your now goal for the first three months, right, is 33%. And then it goes to 35%. And 
you once you meet those now goals, you can update them and add and increase so that you are on track to meet your ultimate um, end goal. And I, I can't stress enough the importance of constantly checking it right. You you wouldn't, and I, I don't know why we keep maybe. Michael, maybe we need to go on a diet, bro, because we just keep bringing this up. But, you know, if, I, if, if you said you wanted to lose 20 pounds and uh, and I check in with you and say, hey, how much have you lost so far? And you're like, oh, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll tell you in <laughs> in three weeks when the, I'm getting on the scale. I'm getting on the scale on March 1st. I don't yeah, know right now. I, I said I get there by March 1st. I'll let you know on March 1st. Like, no, you're right. constantly we, checking in. You would think that was crazy in any other context. Right. You would think it was totally crazy. Absolutely. But in schools, it. It happens all the time. I just want to name you've referred you you called now goals. You referred to them as benchmarks, mile markers, dipsticks. <laughs> I think you called it something else too. You had like a million different names for these things. Yep. But really, it's that idea, right? If we say at the end of the year we want sixty five percent of kids to be proficient on their you know eighth grade yep. math, uh, you know state test, whatever. Sixty five percent of eighth graders to be proficient or advanced on on the on the state test right we're gonna set now and so people would ask the question well it's not like we're gonna take a state test every every month right of course not but yeah. you're gonna look at mid-module and end-module assessments and based on what you know about previous state tests and about those mid-module and end-module assessments what percentage of kids need to pass those what grade do they need to have on those yeah. that would be predictive of them being proficient or advanced on uh, on a state test, what percentage of kids would need to pass a weekly uh, a, a weekly quiz? What grade would they need on that? Let's even go more granular here and say that what how what how many teachers would the school leader need to coach? How many sessions would they need to have with those teachers um, from between X date and Y date in order to increase student learning? Let's say we got those quiz scores back, and there are. You know, I'm making this up, but there are eight students in in Mr. Vance's class who are not hitting the the bar that's going to be predictive of the students being proficient or advanced on that state test. There's going to be a, a now goal set around that. We're going to have tutoring with those students two days per week during study hall or at the or during office hours, right? There's going to be an all along the way, there are a half a dozen or a dozen different now goals that are being uh, uh, being a, a attacked and, and measured, right? And revised all in service of those larger goals at the end of the year. And let's be crystal clear here that we are not, and you said this earlier, but it's worth repeating, that we are not chalking students up to simply being a set of numbers in a building, but that if we are saying that we're here to serve kids and we're saying that we're here to serve families, what better way to do that than to say like, your child is going to be better at X thing or Y thing at reading, at math, right? They're going to be better at that than they are now because they came to our school. Absolutely. And I'm going to know that because we're gauging and we're, we're assessing every piece of this, every step along the way. And Michael, this is the part where leaders get that anxiety when they see that red, yeah. um, especially in these now goals. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm off. I'm not going to meet my, my, my larger later goal. And that's where the idea of you do not change your goals. You change your plan. Yeah. And if your now goals are indicating that you are not 
where you're supposed to be, then you need to go and examine whatever other, you know, the, the things and the structures that you have in place. You don't change your goals. You fix your plan. I love it. I love it. Talk to me about, we, we hear sometimes, not often, but we hear that goals uh, perpetuate white supremacist culture, right? The mm -hmm. tests were created by white people. Testing was created by white people. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of talk around tests being racially biased, um, being culturally biased, being, uh, you know, being biased by, by you know, financially sure. biased, right? The yep. kids who have more money or more uh, apt to know the to know the, the the terminology and the vocabulary on different state tests. Um, and so a bunch of white people created a bunch of tests. They set the goals. They set the metrics. Um, and we're talking, particularly in the work that we do, urban ed, we're talking about mostly black kids, mm -hmm. mostly Hispanic kids. And, and so do, do goals and, and, and this is, I'm talking to hear about state tests, but do goals in general, we hear this sometimes, do, do you believe that they perpetuate right, white supremacist culture? You know, this is a time where, um, where is liberated? Where's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Alex, I need them to come back to the show. Um, you know, you're, Michael, I, I, I hear this all the time, um, especially given the, the times that we're in now. Um, I think that we have to uh, frame uh, things in, in where they are. So there are hegemonic um, white supremacist uh, practices that you know, permeate schools and in and, and all parts of our life. Um, and you know, I had a conversation with a school leader recently um, who was facing some of those, um, you know, confronting um, for for themselves uh, some of the these um, some of these practices. Look, goals are important. Um, I agree that we have to consider um, the source of those goals. So saying that, you know, you're, that the only way to measure your students' um, academic prowess is if they are proficient or not proficient on this state exam. There are multiple ways um, to examine um, a student's, you know, a student's abilities, uh, their academic, I mean, I just, you know, in my earlier conversation talked about how, you know, uh, bees are able to communicate in th these amazing ways just from dancing. Um, your yeah. son was able to, to push through. So we, we can't just use one singular way um, that could possibly be built or thought of um, in, in, in a really structured way that, you know, or, or hegemonic way. So in general, our goal, I mean, you know, I, I think every culture in, and cultures that don't uh, have the, these hegemonic white supremacist culture are also um, value goals. Goals have, have been a part of human nature for a while. It is the context um, in which those goals live. And it is when you restrict them um, to only serve those hegemonic practices. As educators, we have to expand that. And we have to look at, for example, our students, our schools, um, ourselves with a wider lens um, and really examine them for, and, and find those multiple um, indicators in multiple ways uh, that don't just serve those hegemonic white supremacist practices. Got it. Um, just you said hegemonic like four times and I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. Are you not Googling it yet? 
<laughs> I actually, it's funny. I do know what it means because uh, I learned it in grad school. Of but, course. Uh, you're so smart. You're so smart. You always, uh, for those of you listening, uh, Antonio will use uh, one or two words a week that I've never heard of. I, I do know what hegemonic is, but um, but he used the word the other day. What was it? Conca- concatenate? Concatenate. Yes. Concatenate. That means to like... You looked it what up. Does that mean compile, right? Is that what yeah, that means? Yeah, bring it together to group it. Yeah. Yeah. Excel so, so term. Concatenate. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think I think what I'm hearing you say there is like, we we can't say that kids are are only uh, successful or conversely failure failing or failures. Not we not that we'd ever call kids failures, of course not. But like, based on one metric. Right. And and maybe that metric, because we hear people say all the time, like, let's blow up the system and state tests are are biased and they're they're racist. And I don't know if that's true. Let's say it is right. You're not you're not changing the system tomorrow. Right. <laughs> like uh, like right. those tests are going to be there. I mean, maybe this year is different because of covid, but they're coming back. They're coming back. Um, but but I, I think what I'm hearing you say is that. If those are the only metrics we're using, right? Johnny is Johnny. Johnny, he got to he got to proficient, so he's good, you know. But Janie is at Janie is at basic or below basic, so she's bad. But that there are that there are other ways and other things we can look at, right? And so we have we're working with some schools right now who are doing things like particularly because it's COVID. But I think these practices will, well, I think these practices will live on. Yeah. But they're saying things like you know. You know, one hundred percent of eighth graders will have a, a five, a five piece art portfolio yeah. uh, to present by by May by May you know May fifteenth of twenty twenty one, right? And that that every student in the you know uh, every student is going to be working on on different art art projects throughout the course of the year. You know, one hundred percent of uh, you know seventh graders or one hundred percent of fifth graders will. We'll be able to write X, you know, X paragraph essay, five paragraph essay that includes all these different points. We'll be able to uh, give an oral presentation that includes, you know, A, B, C, and D. And and this idea that, you know, as you say, like state tests keep the lights on, but that there are multiple metrics that that folks in schools can be using that go beyond just, you know, kids uh, at proficient or advanced. And, and I think I talked about uh, last week um, a quote, uh, which where you just schools have to also consider, um, you know, the students' community and where where they come from and what they bring um, to the classroom. What 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 do they also have to offer? Um, and set goals, and you can set goals around there. Again, it's the direction. It's where do you want to go? Where do you want uh, to 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 get to? And so that in itself um, is not um, supremacist, but making sure that you are incorporating all of the things that make that student who they are um, is the anti-racist approach um, that we all have to do. Well, this will be the last question of the night. Uh, and by the oh, way, we're going to... already? <laughs> hey, man, uh, we are... We are oh, we're doing two hours today. Well, you know, here's what I suggest. I don't think we do two hours today because I, I, we need, I need to do a drink check with you because I'm halfway through this bottle of wine. And if we do two hours, you're done with your gin. Folks, you can't see this, but Antonio is holding his uh, gin and juice up to me. Snoop Dogg oh, would be man, disappointed. Don't, don't 
Um, but uh, I'm about halfway through this bottle of wine, and so I want to make it to uh, to bedtime for my kids. Um, but we will revisit this conversation. I think we're going to revisit it a bunch a bunch of times over the over the the course of this uh, podcast uh, or the the life of this podcast uh, the series. What do you say? This last question tonight. What do you say to the school leader who says? It's early February. By the time this comes out, it's mid-February. Mm. School, well, it's already, I, I haven't set goals, or I did, but man, we don't, say, we don't say jack shit about these goals to anybody. Right. Nobody knows them. It'd be weird to bring it up now. School year's almost over. We know that's not true, but school year's almost over. I'll do it in the summer. What would you say to that, to that person to get them potentially thinking differently? Yeah, that, you know, that... Um, Mid-February, you still got four, four, four good months of school left. We are not done with the school year. There is absolute uh, plenty of time to get uh, folks recentered. And I, and it's funny you brought that up. I've had to do that um, with, with with a few of the folks that we work closely with. Like it is not. It's it's never too late. Um, the the work uh, and the goals that have to be set to drive your direction to make sure that you're on course. It is never too late. And, and again, it's steeped in rationale. Um, your staff want to know where they're going. Yeah. Folks want to know what is success. And if that comes later, it's better than never. Where do folks need to be? What is success? And where are we going so that we can organize, so that we know that the decisions that we make are going to be based in those goals. And with four and a half months left, Students deserve it. Your staff deserve it. The families and communities that we serve deserve it. We have to be able to be focused. Otherwise, we are aimlessly walking around in our schools. Our schools are just bobbing along in the water um, without a clear um, direction. And, you know, it's unfair. um, And it it wouldn't be um, realistic for a school to, to think that they could, you know, continue that and then wait till you know, next year to say, okay, let's, let's, let's start again. Uh, that's not fair. And, you know, it, it's, there's enough time and let's do it. And I've, I've certainly had to give a few school leaders um, a kick in the butt and we're getting goals in February and announcing it to staff and we're going to, we're going to make it happen. Well, all right, man, you heard it here. You heard it here first, February, still four months left in the school year. Get those goals. Right. Like we talk about set goals and then get goals. It's not too late. Folks want direction, even if they're thinking about, you know, a million other things. Um, Antonio, thanks for uh, sharing your wisdom with us tonight. Your your gin and juice is finished. Is that accurate? Yes, it is. I'm sure you heard the clanking of ice in the background. (laughs) Ice. We hear the ice clanking. That's, you know, Antonio's feeling good. Uh, friends, for Antonio and for Skyrocket Educator Training, we want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we hope you enjoy the Super Bowl, but by the time you hear this, the Super Bowl will be over. Um, I am glad Antonio didn't ask me what hegemonic means because I forgot, even though I did know it. I did know it. Um, thank you so much, friends, for being here with us. This was Informal Observations. We will see you next time. And keep on rocking. This was Informal Observations with Skyrocket Educator Training.
sign up for our mailing list at wewillskyrocket.com and look out for our next episode.